Question 65 of the Baptist Catechism asks, How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? So this builds upon the previous questions, where the Sabbath command was introduced to us. What is it? What does it require? What does it forbid of us? We're talking about all of these things. But how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? How are we to approach it? And the answer given is that, and I will read it this evening or this afternoon, and will not ask you to repeat after me given the length of it. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. And the scripture reading for this afternoon is very brief. It is Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. It says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So far the reading of God's holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. The Sabbath is a very important theme that runs throughout the pages of Holy Scripture. If you look for it, you'll see that it's kind of everywhere. Uh, from the very beginning when God instituted uh, the Sabbath day at creation, it's there and it runs throughout all of the Scriptures. It's even present there in the New Testament. The people of God kept it even before the Ten Commandments were given to Israel on Sinai. Did you know that? People of God kept it even before God gave the Ten Commandments on Sinai. You could see Exodus 16, verse 22 um, for that. Uh, the people of God kept it even before the Ten Commandments were given. Israel was commanded to keep the Sabbath day holy. This law is at the heart of the Ten Commandments, which is rightly called a summary of God's moral law. And Christ kept the Sabbath Himself, and He taught His disciples about the proper observance of it. So, tell me, now this is... A rhetorical question. If Christ had intended to throw the Sabbath into the trash bin of history, why would He say so much about its proper observance? Have you ever thought about that? Read the Gospels and see how much Christ has to say about the proper observance of the Sabbath day. If He were intending to just throw it away, to say it's no longer for us, why would He say so much about it? It's a question to consider. We know that the early church kept the Sabbath. They rested and assembled for worship one day out of seven, they assembled for worship on Sunday, which is the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. That is the day that Christ, on which Christ rose from the dead, entered into rest, and inaugurated the new creation. As the writer to the Hebrews expressly says, There remains a Sabbath rest, or Sabbath keeping, for the people of God. So there it is in the New Testament. There remains a Sabbath rest. That word can be translated Sabbath-keeping for the people of God. The Sabbath will find its fulfillment in the new heavens and new earth. There we will enter into the fullness of the rest that Christ, the second Adam, has earned for us. And that is the rest of which the Sabbath commandment, or the weekly Sabbath, is a sign. Now all of that is review, isn't it? And all of that could be greatly expanded upon if we had the time in fact, we have studied the Lord's Day Sabbath in detail before as a congregation, and I trust that we will have the opportunity to consider it in detail again in the future. But for now, 
I hope you are convinced that the Lord's Day Sabbath is to be kept by the people of God even today. The fourth commandment, in other words, still stands. When we fail to keep the fourth commandment, we do in fact sin against God. Have you thought that way in the past? If we fail to keep the fourth commandment, if we fail to keep the Sabbath day holy, we actually sin against God. I hope that you have thought of it before. I hope that you're thinking of it now. I hope that you believe it. Uh, I think this is clearly the biblical teaching on the subject. But now the question is, what are we to do on the Lord's Day Sabbath? What are we to do? How are we to set it apart as holy unto the Lord? And again, Baptist Catechism 65 is a very helpful summary of the scriptural teaching on this point. Again, hear what our catechism says. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. You will notice that neither the Scriptures nor our Catechism provide us with a detailed list of do's and don'ts for the Sabbath day. Do you see that? We do not have here in our Catechism, nor will you find in the Scriptures, a detailed list of do's and don'ts for the Sabbath day. The Pharisees constructed a list like that, didn't they? And Christ rebuked them for it, especially when their list went beyond or contradicted the teaching of Holy Scripture. And neither do I think that we should make a detailed list of do's and don'ts for one another. It is better, rather, to teach the principles that are found within Scripture and to let each person and family decide how exactly to keep the Sabbath Sabbath day, what in particular it is that they should do. There are obvious violations, of course, of the fourth commandment, and we will address those. But there is also room, I think, for differences in Application: what it is that we precisely do on this day. So now, now let us consider Baptist Catechism 65, a piece, by t- piece by piece. Excuse me. It teaches, first of all, that the Sabbath is to be sanctified. The Sabbath is to be sanctified. This means that the Sabbath day, which is now Sunday, as we learned last week, is to be set apart and treated as holy. In fact, this was established at creation. Genesis 2.1 Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the, Sabbath, or on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So from that time forward on to the resurrection of of the Christ, the seventh day was marked off by God Himself as a holy day, a day to be sanctified, a day to be approached as as different than all the other days. The other days of the week are common days. We are, of course, to be holy on those days as well. Uh, You agree with that, don't you? When are we to worship God? Well, we may answer that question in two ways. We're to worship Him always, but... We might also say we are to worship Him peculiarly, particularly in a pronounced way, in a corporate way, in a public way, on the Sabbath day, you see. So we could answer that question in two ways. Another question we might ask is, when are we to be holy? Always, but we're to devote ourselves to holy things, especially on the Lord's day, the Christian Sabbath. 
The other days of the week are common, they are for common things, things like common work and recreation. But the Sabbath day is a holy day. It is set apart for holy things, principally worship, public and even private worship. So the Sabbath day is to be sanctified. There is where we begin. And then we read by, the word by. In other words, uh, by what, we must ask. What are we to do on this day? The Sabbath is to be sanctified by, first of all, a holy resting. A holy resting. The Sabbath day is a day of rest, but it is not a day of inactivity, as we will soon see. On the Sabbath day, we are to rest from certain common things so that we might then devote ourselves to certain holy things. Do you understand this? I think there was a time where I thought, well, the Sabbath day, it's a day of rest. That means it's nap time, <laughs> right? It's a day for, for lounging around and for, for taking uh, naps. If that is your view of the Sabbath day, I'm afraid you've missed the point. The Sabbath day is for you. God intended for us to find rest, enjoyment, and refreshment on this day. But we will uh, find true rest, enjoyment, and refreshment on the Sabbath day only when we recognize that it is, above all, a holy day, a day to worship and to take our rest in God. It is a day for holy rest. Rest. Rest from what? Rest from common work. Rest from common recreations. And what are we to find our rest in? We are to find our rest in God. We are to run to Him and find our rest and enjoyment in Him. If you ask me, this sounds like the most restful and encouraging of all Days when we consider that our rest is to be taken in God and in the enjoyment of God. Next, we find the words, all that day. It is the Lord's day, brothers and sisters. It is not the Lord's hour or Lord's morning. And so I will say to you quite directly here, please break the habit, brothers and sisters, of running off from church in the morning to common things. The whole day is to be kept holy unto the Lord. Go from public worship to private worship. Go to the enjoyment of your family and speak of the things of God as you enjoy them. Have brothers and sisters in Christ into your home and speak of the things of God. Read your Bible on this day. Read good books about the Christian faith. Take a nap if you need one so that you might be strengthened for the rest of the day and the week to come. But Take that rest in God. Treat this day, the whole day, not just an hour or the morning, as holy. Treat the whole day as holy, dear brethren, and see how truly refreshed you will be at the end of it. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by holy resting all that day. Now we read, even from such worldly employment and recreations as are lawful on the other days, our catechism says. In other words, we are to cease from our regular common work and our regular common recreations, not because they are sinful. That is not what the word worldly means here. Sometimes we hear the word worldly and we think it means sinful. No, here in our catechism it means common. Uh, things that belong to life on this earth, we're to set those things aside. We're to set them aside not because they are sinful. I hope they are not. If they are sinful, then you need to change that as well. But we're to set them aside because they are not fitting for this day. Regular and common work and recreation, uh, 
is for the other six days, but it is not for the Sabbath day. Does God care about what you do on the other six days of the week? Of, of course He does. We are to worship and serve Him on those days too. And we are to work diligently on those days so that we might in fact keep the Sabbath. Have you ever thought about your work week in that way before? Why do you need to be diligent on Monday and Tuesday and so on and so forth? Why do you need to be diligent in part in preparation for the Sabbath day to come? So that you might cease from the work and the recreation in order to give proper worship to God and to be refreshed on the Lord's Day Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we are to set those common things aside. The Sabbath day is not a day for common work or common recreation. It is to be kept holy. So we are to rest. We are to set aside worldly things. Again, worldly means common here, not sinful. But what are we to do then? We know what we are to abstain from now, but what are we to do? Uh, Our Catechism says we are to spend the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship. This means, first of all, that we are to assemble with God's people for corporate and public worship. The Sabbath day was always for this. This is not just a New Covenant, New Testament thing. Uh, The Sabbath was always for this purpose. It was for the purpose of coming together corporately to worship God. In Leviticus 23.3, it's the short passage that we read at the beginning of this sermon, uh, we again read, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. What is that? What is a, what is a convocation? We don't use that word very often uh, these days. A convocation is a formal assembly of people. That is what it is. And this is what the people were to do on the seventh day Sabbath under the Old Covenant. They were to rest and they were to come together in a formal assembly to give worship to God. This is what the Old Covenant saints were to do on the weekly Sabbath day. In other words, they were to assemble for worship. Now, does that language sound familiar to you? It should. The writer to the Hebrews spoke to the New Covenant saints, saying, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, some versions say, to assemble, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see the connection here? I think sometimes we read this passage and we think, well, yeah, that's what the New Covenant saints did. That was the practice of the church, and it was new then. No, it wasn't new. The writer to the Hebrews was saying, still do what the Old Covenant people of God were called to do. That is, honor the Sabbath day, and when you do rest, stop from work, stop from recreation, and assemble to worship. This principle still stands. I'm afraid that many modern Christians take this to mean This Hebrews 10.24 passage is what I'm referring to. Uh, Many modern Christians take this to mean, I really shouldn't miss going to church too often, you know? Because I need what? Fellowship. I need fellowship, therefore I should not miss church too often. You know, as long as I'm there 25 or 50% of the time, then I'm keeping Hebrews 10.24. I'm not forsaking the assembly. Well, I'm not sure that's what this text means. In fact, I'm quite sure it's not what it means. Some will say, or I can miss church, but I should at least get together regularly with Christian friends from time to time for the sake of what? 
fellowship. I wonder if you're beginning to see a theme. It's all about you and it's all about your needs. But what God has commanded of us and the worship of God, all of that is being forgotten here. I, I think this text means something very different. It means quite clearly in the context of Hebrews and in the light of the rest of Scripture, do not ever neglect to assemble with God's people to worship God's name on God's appointed day. If we take everything that God says about the Sabbath from Genesis to Revelation, certainly that is what this means. Don't ever neglect it. There's never a reason to neglect uh, assembling together with God's people on the Sabbath day. In fact, when you do, you break God's law. Or to use different words, when you do, you sin. Sin, remember, is any failure to conform unto or transgression of the law of God. That is what sin is. And so we sin when we ignore and disregard and violate the Sabbath day. Perhaps at this point you are thinking, he sounds like a legalist. He sounds like a legalist. But I might reply to you saying, I don't think you know what legalism is. And you might be guilty of lawlessness, or to use a, a fancier word, antinomianism. The law is good, brothers and sisters. Have you forgotten what Paul wrote to Timothy saying, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And have you forgot the words of Christ, how He spoke to His disciples saying, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Do you hear it? It's dispensationalism that makes a break between the commandments of the Old Testament and the commandments of Christ. They are one and the same. Christ is the eternal Word of God come in the flesh. He's not saying something different. He's saying the same thing. And so, if we love Christ, if we love God, what are we going to do? We're going to obey His law, His moral law, which is summarized for us in the Ten Commandments. And the Fourth Commandment is about Sabbath. It's about rest. So, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. I'm not a legalist. The Pharisees were. They added to God's law. They heaped up all sorts of rules and regulations that were of their own invention upon it. They taught that in order to be saved we had to keep the law. And if I were saying any of that, then I would be guilty of legalism. But I've not said that. I'm trusting, I'm teaching you, rather, to, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for life eternal. You must do this. For you have, and I have, violated God's law. You and I have failed to keep the Sabbath day holy. But Christ never did. He kept it purely, perfectly, and perpetually. And though He had no guilt of His own, He died on the cross to pay for the sins of others. So I am saying to you, trust in Him alone. And not in your own works righteousness for life eternal. But having now believed upon Christ, because you love Him and are grateful for His sacrifice made on your behalf, obey Him. Keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. They are not burdensome. And there, there is goodness, there is life, there is peace. So one question remains. Are there any exceptions? Is there ever a time when it is right to work on the Lord's Day Sabbath or to neglect to assemble with the people of God for worship? And this might seem to contradict something I've already said, but we've started with the general principle, haven't we? We must say, yes, there is an exception. In fact, two are mentioned here, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. These exceptions are not the invention of men. Uh, these exceptions are drawn from the pages of Holy Scripture. Christ Himself taught this. What are works of necessity? They are not the things that you forgot to do on Saturday that can wait till Monday. They are not that. Do you get what I'm saying here? Those are not works of necessity. Um, but as you know, there are some things that simply must be done because they are necessary. You may cook 
on the Sabbath day, and you may even clean up after the meal. You may help a neighbor who is in need. Perhaps their car won't start and they have to be somewhere. It's urgent. It's an emergency. Help them. You do not violate the Sabbath when you do. And some work, uh, so, some jobs rather, are absolutely necessary and continually so. You've probably noticed that criminals do not observe the Sabbath day, so police officers must work. The same can be said of emergency room doctors, nurses, and even water district employees. People need water, do they not? Uh, you get the point, don't you? There are necessary things that we may do on the Sabbath day, things that simply cannot wait till Monday. And what are works of mercy? These are acts of kindness shown to those who are in need. Do you remember how the Pharisees scoffed at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day? Do you remember that? He did work. My goodness, he's violating the Sabbath, they thought, and, and Jesus put it right back on them. You know, no, the Sabbath day is a day for doing good. It's not a day for utter inactivity. It's not a day of total rest, but it's rest from common things so that we might devote ourselves to holy things. And good works may be done on the Sabbath day to the glory of God. And so Jesus healed in their presence, I think, to provoke them so that He could address this issue and, and, and clean off all the gunk that they had heaped upon the actual uh, commandment regarding the Sabbath. They missed the point. And so I am saying to you, go ahead and visit the sick on the Sabbath. Exercise hospitality. Help those who are truly, truly in need. To use an example from biblical times, if your neighbor's ox falls into a ditch, help him dig it out. The preservation of life, yes, even the life of an ox, trumps the ceremonial observance of the Sabbath day. We may engage in activities of necessity. We may engage in activities of mercy on the Lord's Day Sabbath and not violate the Sabbath day. As you can see, I have not given you a detailed list of do's and don'ts, but I have, with the help of our catechism, set the teaching of the Bible before you. I hope to move you to keep the Lord's Day Sabbath, not by appealing, uh, not by appealing to a list of do's and don'ts, but by appealing simply to the goodness of the thing. I hope that's what you get from me. Do you see how good this is? Do you see how marvelous this is? What a gift this is. So many Christians hear this teaching and they think, okay, what is it that I can't do? What a downer. I have to stop doing all of these things. If that is your attitude, then you have missed the point entirely. The attitude should be, what is it that I get to take a break from? And what is it that I get to do on, on this day? I get to enjoy fellowship with believers. I get to come and worship God corporately and, and be encouraged in Him. I get to go on from this place to just fix my mind and heart upon God and the things of God and to be refreshed and encouraged in Him. What a marvelous day. How could you look down upon this day, brothers and sisters? Properly understood, the Sabbath day is to be a joy to us, it is to, be, it is to be a delight to our souls. I pray that you are eager to keep it. For God has commanded it, and His law is very good. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for the Sabbath day, which reminds us of the work that you accomplished in creation. But more than this, it is advanced. It reminds us of the work that Christ has accomplished to bring about the new creation, and it sets our eyes upon eternal life. It helps us, O oh Lord, to store up our treasures in heaven and not here on earth. What a gift it is. God, if we do not have a true appreciation for the Sabbath day, 
we pray that you would give it to us, Lord. Perhaps we are too in love with the things of this world, and we need to have greater love for you and the, and the world to come. So, Father, help us change our hearts. Refresh us on this day, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. Help us to understand what it means. Help us to keep it from the heart for your glory, but also for the good of your people. Strengthen us as your people, O Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.